Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Money Answer Show, this is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Kate Stalter. She is the founder of Better Money Decisions, which is an asset management firm based in New Mexico, Albuquerque, and Santa Fe. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Kate. Hey, Jordan. Great to be here today. Great to be with you. So let's get a little bit of your background uh, and how it's kind of led up to creating uh, better money decisions. Yeah, so you'll identify with this. I was a financial journalist for many years prior to becoming a licensed advisor. I was with Investors Business Daily for about 10 years. I taught, uh, in addition to writing for them, I taught some of their seminars around the country. I did their videos on the website. That was a lot of fun, learned a whole lot. I currently then, uh, let me see, after that, I hosted a radio show on the TFNN network, Tom O'Brien. Some some of the listeners may be familiar with that. Tom does a whole lot of shows in the arena of stock trading. And that was a lot of fun. I hosted a show called the Small Cap Roundup. I worked for Money Show. I did the Daily Guru podcast and their videos on their website. I currently write for Forbes, for U.S. News, for Seeking Alpha. Uh, I still do some work for thestreet.com. But what happened, Jordan was over time, I really wanted to be able to help people in a much more direct way, to actually be able to help them navigate some of these very difficult decisions. So I did become licensed. I worked at a registered investment advisor firm for about two years and then opened my own firm with my business partner, Lorraine L., back in 2014. And so what makes your firm different from all the other RIA? It's an RIA firm, is that correct? Exactly. That's right. What, what makes it different from all the other RIA firms out there? We, we provide a lot more service to our clients. We monitor what people are, what, you know, one of the things, one of the problems right now, and there's a lot of talk in the area of robo-advisors about, oh, you know, save the money, just pay a few basis points to get a robo-advisor. Well, that's fantastic until you, and you hear the sarcasm there, until you need decisions about your withdrawal rates, about the tax implications, about what kind of planning you need to make for your retirement, until you need estate planning. So this is where we come in. We are full service and we also feel very, very strongly about managing the cost. You know, we use funds from dimensional fund advisors, which are only available through selected advisors. We do not believe in active management and all the costs and risks associated with that. So really, you know, Jordan, what we specialize in is mitigating your costs, managing your risk, and making sure that you're making those right money decisions throughout retirement because it's a nonstop process. Planning is not a one-and-done thing where you get handed a book. So uh, do you have clients from all over the country or mostly in the New Mexico area? Oh, yeah. We work with clients all over the country. Absolutely. Yeah. So what do they, uh, if they go to bettermoneydecisions.com, what kind of things do they find there? Well, what they'll find there, and we're actually, you're asking me this today, we're in the process of completely revamping the website. Everybody says that, don't they? We're, we're, yes, we're changing our website. Yeah, everybody says that. Uh, and I think that's because it, it's 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 always something. It's, it's a nonstop process, really. But what they'll find there is a lot of information about our process and how we help people and what the decisions are that you have to think about. You know, everybody's unique. Back in the old days, and by the way, just to clarify for people, 
Uh, I'm sure I know you're aware, but for some of the listeners who may not be aware, you know, a registered investment advisor is not the same as a stockbroker, you know, dad's dad's stockbroker. So what you'll find there is not a lot of not information about picking stocks, not anything of that nature, but really, hey, what what are the what are the decisions you're facing about your insurance, about your taxes? About what do you what do you do now that you're retiring? You know, one of the things that we say is when you're climbing up the mountain, it's that's where people tend to do a pretty good job. Uh, Most Americans don't. But the Americans who do save their money, stash it away in their 401k, that's where folks tend to do a pretty good job. But it's on the descent. You know, most accidents in mountain climbing occur on the descent. And that's a really good metaphor for in retirement, because that's when you can start making some pretty serious mistakes if you're not careful. So let's talk about your process. Somebody comes to you, you have them fill out a profile form and describe the process before you get involved with somebody about how you figure out if they're going to be a good match with you. Oh, absolutely. You know, and a lot of it's chemistry, too. It's uh, we absolutely we, we do have them fill out a little profile form. And that's just to let us know, you know, what what do you have to work with here? Uh, because financial planning is not, it, it is about the assets, it is about insurance, it is about what you have to work with. What are the resources you have? So everybody's, everybody's situation is so different, Jordan. It's not like there's kind of some, there's not a cookie cutter. There's no two situations that are identical. You know, we, we're working with somebody right now. Uh, I'll give you an example. She wouldn't necessarily be the quote unquote ideal client. We love her. We love working with her. But she is inheriting some um, the proceeds of a land sale in another state. And she's still working. She's in her early 50s. And we're just helping her figure out how are you going to get these proceeds invested and working for you? Meanwhile, you have a son in grad school that you want to help him somewhat. She still has some of her own student loan debts because she went back to grad school herself uh, fairly late in life. So it's pretty complicated. But looking at a situation like hers, we were able to say, yeah, absolutely. You're somebody we can help. So that's just one example, but every it's it's looking at what they have going on in their situation and how we can help them. And and I'll be I'll be candid about some of the folks that maybe we um, are not necessarily a great fit are folks who are too old. I mean, if you're by the time that you're in your 80s, you're kind of settled in that stockbroker bottle from a few decades ago. And, and I'm you know, if you're sitting here and you're listening and you're in your in your 80s and you're. Uh, more open-minded and more willing to make changes, and that's fantastic. But you're in the minority as far as the folks we come across. Our ideal people really are between maybe 50 and and 67, kind of in that pre-retirement, early retirement uh, time of their life. Baby boomers is really your, your core market, is that right? Yeah, the the baby boomers, uh, maybe the oldest Gen Xers. We're kind of looking at the Gen Xers now, uh, not millennials. So when I want to clarify, when I say Gen Xers, I mean the people born in the 1960s. We're starting to see a lot more of those, uh, and 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 not really. You know, I think that's right. I think the upper end, about the upper end of folks we deal with, are about maybe 70, early 70s. Uh, beyond that, you kind of have your your thing. You're in retirement. 
you're not so much thinking about how to do it anymore. You know what I mean? So when those kind of people come, say the 50s to the mid-60s, come to you, what is the biggest issue they typically bring to you that they want you to help them solve? Usually they want to know if their money is going to last through retirement, if they can even retire at all. That's really what it is in a nutshell. It's, it's, it's not living their money, really. It, it's about preserving the money. It's about making sure, because, you know, and Jordan, you're well aware of this, too, that American longevity rates are increasing rapidly. I mean, the number of people who uh, live to 100 grew by 43% in the last decade. Yeah. It's, it's huge. It's astonishing. But they're not earning anything on their money if they keep it in CDs and money market funds in the bank. Right. So uh, they might have capital, mm -hmm. but they're probably worried about the volatility of the stock market. They're earning nothing on cash. Mm -hmm. Bonds mm -hmm. yield a very small amount. So what do you do for somebody who's got capital, mm -hmm. who wants to earn some income from it, but doesn't want to take a lot of uh, kind of market risk? Well, you have to take some market risk. If you're 50 years old and you're looking at a, you know, we plan for a life expectancy of 100. So you're absolutely right. You can't just stash it in a CD and hope for the best. That's not going to work. So you have to take some market risk. And, you know, for that person who just says, no, nah, I'm going to leave my money stuck in cash, then you're not our client. That's because that, the science of investing does not support leaving your money in a pile of cash and hoping yeah. for the best. You know, it's <laughs> so just, today. maybe in the past when rates are higher, but not today. Not today. No, that's exactly right. I'll tell you another problem we run into frequently, Jordan, is um, people who come in with just a, a couple ways that this happens. They come in with sort of a mishmash of investments that maybe they've picked out themselves. You know, we get people that are over have overexposure to, say, one particular asset class. We had somebody come in recently who had uh, on their own had picked out a bunch of biotech funds. Well, biotech is one of the riskiest areas of the market. It always has been. There's just a lot of risks inherent in that particular industry. And I think the thinking there was, well, this is the, what the client was thinking is, well, you know, this, this can deliver a very good return and it can, but at a very high risk. So you never want to be overexposed to one area. That's one thing we see people coming in a lot is they've made a bet on a particular area. They have expensive funds. We also see people coming in who have inherited money. And don't forget that that major wealth transfer from the previous generation, the greatest generation to the baby boomers, that's still underway, still underway. And will be. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 So we see people coming in with like all these single stocks. I mean, it, you know, sometimes these portfolios come in and it's like a flashback to 1975 because <laughs> nobody's touched these things in decades. So yeah. that's a, that's another thing we see. Very good. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Kate Stalter. Uh, she is the uh, founder at Better Money Decisions, based in New Mexico. You can find out more about her at her website, which is bettermoneydecisions.com. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. 
Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to Money Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Kate Stalter. She is the founder at Better Money Decisions, an asset management firm based in New Mexico, and her website, bettermoneydecisions.com. Welcome back to the show, Kate. All right. Thanks, Jordan. So you're saying that baby boomers, particularly when they're kind of on the downside, when they've accumulated money and they're in the distribution phase, make a lot of mistakes. Let's go into some of the bigger mistakes that you see people. Once you've, you've they've given you their portfolio, uh, they now have to start taking money out. What are some of the big mistakes they're making? Well, and, and a lot of times, I, I want to be clear, we the, a lot of these mistakes, they come in before they see us. Because we specialize in fixing these mistakes. Yes. Right. So, you know, uh, you know, one of them is uh, the biggest one is not knowing, not knowing how much you can take out. You, you know, I mean, it's very, very common for people. And this may this may seem pretty obvious to, to folks who can do a little bit of math. But it, it's a big problem is that people get an inheritance of let's call it five hundred thousand dollars. Not, you know, enough to be life changing. But what happens is that people tend to look at that sometimes and think, oh, okay, I'm all set now. I'm 60 years old. I'm all set now because I can just start spending this down. Well, guess what? Remember we were talking about a few minutes ago about how life expectancy is on the rise. Not uncommon at all to see people living to their 90s these days. You got to be very, very careful about what you spend down. Here's here's a big mistake, too. And I've written about this one for U.S. News. And a lot of advisors don't know this. It's kind of shocking, actually. Um, the taxes, your taxes in retirement may be higher than you expect. I think, you know, the old saw was kind of, well, your taxes are going to they're going to go down in retirement and you're not going to have to worry about it. Well, no, if you're taking a lot of income. Uh, you know, if you're if you're taking money from your taxable accounts, for example, even if you're taking your required minimum distributions, uh, there's taxable income there. Your Social and Security income tax brackets are higher than they're expecting, is what you're saying. Exactly. Even though they might it's, not be working anymore, they they're taking out money, and that brings their income up to higher brackets. Is what you're saying. 
it absolutely can. And, and people don't expect that. I think people are shocked when they, when they kind of look at some of the projections and they're, well, wait a second, particularly at, uh, say you wait until 70 to take social security. And then what also happens when, when you turn, uh, when you turn 70 and a half, well, you've also, then, then you have to start taking those required minimum distributions. So right there, You've got your early 70s, your your tax rate starts to go up, particularly a married couple that, that you say you're both taking Social Security. You're both taking your required distributions. And particularly if you're withdrawing from your account to cover your life expenses and you're withdrawing quite a bit of money. I mean, people that have the assets can be withdrawing 200000 a year. I mean, that happens. That's not that's not an unusual thing. The traditional so, system was that people would say that you take out 4% of your capital per year. That's kind of the 4% withdrawal rate. Is that still accurate with today's world? Yeah, you know, there's been a whole lot of new research into that. And I'll tell you how we approach it. We approach it. We, we start by looking at, okay, what are your expenses? What do you want to do? And then you kind of back into it from there. Because 4% could be too high. It could be too low. It, you know, it, it really depends. And, and I'm not sitting here saying, oh, withdraw what you need to cover your expenses. No, you may need you may need to cut your expenses. But I think it's more the more holistic approach is looking at a person's or a couple's lifestyle and, and approaching it from that angle rather than a percentage. I mean, I get that. It sounds good. There's some science that was behind it. But even the science is being questioned at this juncture. Now, what happens if there's like a catastrophic event? I mean, people went into 2008 thinking everything was going to be pretty good. Their portfolios were looking fine. They end the year with their assets 40, 50% down from what they thought. How can people plan for something like that in the future? Do you think that is possible going forward? Absolutely. Absolutely possible. Because, first of all, the people whose, whose portfolios were down 40, 50%, uh, they didn't plan for it. And they were they were in a lot of risky equity assets. They didn't have the fixed income portion of their portfolio allocated to help dampen that volatility, which is what the fixed income is supposed to do. In addition, you know, we show people a slide uh, that talks about that lost decade, the so-called lost decade between 2000 and 2009. And the S&P 500, which is sort of the the favorite go to investment for most Americans. And then that's a mistake. That's in the U.S. about mistakes. That's a mistake is only investing in large cap U.S. stocks. And here's why is because in that decade between 2000 and 2009, the S&P 500 had a negative return of 9.1 percent. But meanwhile, other global asset classes and even small cap U.S. stocks were up in the double, even triple digits. So a person did not have to suffer through that lost decade and getting back to even. It really is about going into it and looking at how do you allocate. And yeah, there's there's reams of data about this now. There have been Nobel Prizes awarded for this. Uh, Dimensional Fund Advisors, Vanguard, and many other companies have really, really been perfecting the research into asset allocation to protect your nest egg and mitigate these losses. Um, you know, one, one of the things there's a, there's a fellow in Pennsylvania. I don't know if you know him, Jordan, his name is Wade Fow. He's at the, uh, yes. Uh, okay. Well, Wade has done quite a bit of research, right? right. 
you probably know this. He's done research uh, into the idea of sequence of returns risk. And that's exactly what you're asking about here is the sequence of returns risk. And that's how you do allocate the portfolio with an idea that, hey, if you're retiring this year, you want to be more conservative for the foreseeable future, maybe the next three to five years. So you don't end up in that situation where you're the person if the if the equity markets do correct, you don't want to be withdrawing from stocks when they're at their lows to be paying your living expenses. While in the meantime, you know, what are you going to do? You That's the person who retired in 2008 and had to go back to work because they did not take sequence of returns risk into account. So there is definitely a way to let your assets grow long term, but keeping your more immediate money that you'll need in some more conservative buckets. So how do you allocate assets? As you say, U.S. blue chip stocks not always going to do the best. How do you put money into small cap, medium cap, global bonds? Uh, I mean, people only have so much money. Mm -hmm. uh, do you do the asset allocation for them amongst various uh, dimensional fund advisors' funds, or mm -hmm. how do you do that asset allocation? That's exactly what we do. That's exactly what we do. And, you know, it's based on your goals. The, I mean, yes, the amount you have available to invest, the, your life expectancy, what you need the money to do. It, it's really a whole combination of factors. And, but yeah, it's there. I mean, there is, we do use large cap U.S., small cap U.S., international, some emerging markets, some REITs, short term, high quality bonds. It's And this has kind of been the traditional mistake talking about those portfolios that I mentioned a little while ago, Jordan, that came in looking like it was 1975. You know, the science of investing had not yet been – I mean, there was really – that the research began in the 1950s, but the science of investing as we know it today was not in place for many of our parents and their portfolios – and all, all they knew about was the large cap blue chip U.S. stocks. We know so much more today, and, and it, it's easier. It's frankly easier through some of these funds and ETFs that are available today to invest internationally. So it's a, it's a very, very different situation than it was for our parents' generation, and we're very lucky in that regard. But the idea is you don't really know in advance what, asset, what particular asset class is going to do best. So you have to diversify amongst all of them uh, so that you're always in something that's doing well while other things might not do, be doing so well. Is that the, the principle behind it all? Exactly. No, that, that sums it up really well. And, and in fact, you know, we have the Skittles charts where we show people that there's, there's no way to predict what asset class is going to do better in any given year, despite what you see on CNBC and, and read on MarketWatch. There's no way to predict it. Um, you know, the, the other thing is, too— is that you 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 really you really do need it's it's gauged by by somebody's you're you're never going to have that portfolio that's the best you're never going to say hey i picked the best investment this year which by the way jordan was danish stocks in 2015 let me just say I don't have money in danish stocks yes yeah so right exactly <laughs> so you were the one who figured that out nobody else did <laughs> that was you <laughs> i just yeah. mark it up myself actually yes uh, that's funny but yeah you're never gonna be the one that picks oh i picked denmark last year but you're also you're also never gonna have be that one at the bottom of the barrel that says oh you know everything i i had terrible losses last year 
because I picked the the losing investment. So you are going to be right in the middle. And guess what? Guess what the science shows about that? It does show you that's the best way over time to build wealth. Now, you have a bit of a bone to pick with the financial news media. Uh, <laughs> you're talking about market watch and CNBC. People who watch it, particularly who are retired and have a lot of time on their hands, what's the downside of, of taking in too much financial media? Mm, there's a lot of them. Uh, it, you know... One thing is that they're not your financial advisors. I mean, that that's sort of the 30,000-foot view. They're not there to help you. They're businesses that are there to sell ads, or and they get those through either eyeballs watching their TV channels, or more commonly these days, how many people click on their stories with sensationalistic headlines. They're not there, they're not there to help you. There's no incentive there. They don't care. I mean, there's no accountability. So if they give you some crazy headline today about sell everything, there's no accountability there. And then tomorrow they'll give you another headline to buy everything. So I think that's really what people have to keep in mind is the news media. How do they how do they generate revenue in 2016? It's not by measured, thoughtful analysis. I mean, there, there may be a little of that somewhere, like some of the longer articles on Forbes, that kind of thing. But for the most part, it's really about why you need to sell, sell, sell right now. It's kind of, it used to be fear and greed. Today, it's pretty much just fear. We, we've been in this zeitgeist for the past 16 years or so, and they really do sell fear, and that's doing a disservice to investors. And so people do tend to kind of follow along and, and buy high and sell low because they're greedy or fearful at the tops and bottoms. And they're doing exactly the wrong thing just by following the media is what you're saying. Yeah, you really do. And it's funny to me because if you, if you watch one of those channels, you're going to have a parade of people coming on all day long who are all contradicting one another. Which, which one, whose advice do you follow? Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy indeed. Very yeah. Good. All right, we're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Kate Stalter, and she is the founder of Better Money Decisions, which is an asset management firm, an RIA, uh, based in New Mexico. You can find out more at her website, bettermoneydecisions.com. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour, Kate Stalter, is founder of Better Money Decisions based in New Mexico. 
her website, bettermoneydecisions.com. Welcome back to the show, Kate. Thanks, Jordan. So one of the things that baby boomers are going to be dealing with is long-term uh, care expenses in various ways. Uh, mm -hmm. Their houses are going to get older. They're going to get older, maybe need long-term care. What are the pros and cons of getting long-term care insurance, for example, which has gotten very expensive because a lot of people hang on to it longer and the expenses are much more than the insurance companies expected. Right, right. The traditional long-term care insurance, that is really not something that that has even come up in our work with our clients for exactly the reasons that you just mentioned. It's it's really prohibitive. The nice thing is there are other insurance products at this point. I mean, the insurance industry, they're smart, right? They they come in there, they understand the demographics. They understand how to address the needs. So there are some life insurance products at this point that do have riders, for example, that uh, and even situations where if you don't use the long term care, uh, people often wonder, well, is this a use it or lose it kind of thing? No, if you can you can actually have money left over to leave to your heirs. So there are some products right now, and and I, I'm not going to get into what specific ones there are because I don't I don't want to be construed as recommending. Are you talking about annuities and just generically? Uh, no, no, no. Life insurance. Life insurance Life products. Insurance. That yeah. has uh -huh. long-term care as part of it. Uh -huh. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's it's there. There are there are good ones that that fit different people's lifestyle, their goals. And the reason I'm not going to recommend anything is because you have we we run these separately for each client who comes along and is interested in this. And, you know, the, the premiums can be different at any given time. One product can have a great premium right now, and then you run it again in a month, and it's like, oh, wait a second, something else is better right now. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, it's, it's really important because say, uh, say a person listening to this is 50 years old, okay, for example, and right now, uh, according to data from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the projected average cost for three years of long-term care in 30 years, so when that person is 80, $887,000 in today's money, right? Right. So you, you got it. You got to think about this. It is it is definitely something to consider. And one thing for the boomer generation, Jordan, that's pretty different just culturally is, you know, the older generation, I think they were more comfortable moving in with their kids. If something happened, the boomers don't want to do that. The boomers do not want to be a burden to their kids. They want to be able to take care of themselves. So very important for them to consider this. Although in many cases, the boomers parents are running out of money and moving back with the boomer, right? The, the 80s and 90s are moving back with the people in their 50s and 60s. Which is uh, exactly why the people in their 50s and 60s are saying, I will not do that to my kids. So how can you plan for that? If Say you're in your 50s and 60s mm -hmm. and you've got older parents who are not doing well financially and they're running out of money. They potentially could get a reverse mortgage or something. But mm -hmm. how do you plan in, in a circumstance like that where the parents may be coming back and living with the kids? Yeah, you're right. At that point, it's too late to get long-term care, any kind of rider for them. And we've looked at this. You know, we had a client who was 75 who asked for this, and he was not – it just would have been cost prohibitive. Now, fortunately, he was able to self-insure, and that is something to look at. If you do have some assets, if you're able to self-insure, but if you're the person who's 50 or 60 years old and you've got to figure out how to take care of mom or dad – 
you know, again, Jordan, it's not sort of one size fits all. We we answer this question for people all the time, all the time. Our clients come in and they have sick parents and it's just a whole combination of things. I mean, maybe it's a reverse mortgage if the parents really don't have any assets. Uh, maybe it means just living in your house if, if you're lucky. Look, if you're lucky, the parents do have uh, some kind of insurance, some kind of assets, some kind of pension, some kind of savings. But if not, then it means, hey, let's just sit down and crunch the numbers and let's just figure out the best way to deal with a bad situation. Again, I hate to be vague, but it's like there's not one. That's the thing about financial planning. That's why it's such a puzzle. There's no one size fits all. Yeah. When you say self-insure, mm-hmm. you mean that they have a lot of assets. They're basically going to spend through their assets for long-term care, nursing homes or assisted living. I mean, that's what you're talking about is basically meaning the kids are going to get nothing because they're spending through all those assets. Maybe, maybe. I mean, the guy I was telling you about, uh, and I'm thinking of two different clients. No, they have enough, actually, that they would not spend down all. And and they're not, you know, uber wealthy. I'm going to tell you, you know, New Mexico is not an uber wealthy state. So we're not even talking about the, the level of assets people have on the coasts. But no, it's very possible if you plan ahead, if you if you start, if you look at it when you're 70 years old and you have a retirement account, maybe you have some pensions, no, you wouldn't necessarily be in that situation where you're spending all your kids' inheritance, but that's part of the planning too. It's like, okay, how much do we need to set aside uh, in case an event like this were to happen? And, and, and. There are there there are there are ways to do it. There are ways to do it. That eight hundred eighty-seven thousand number, that's pretty scary. It yeah. really is. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and in some cases, yeah, you're right. You would be today, even not thirty days years from now, even today it can be a pretty big number in Well, that's right. That's right. And that's a good point. I think that's what I was about to say is that, you know, we're looking at not not $887,000 in today's dollars. That that figure was 30 years. Hence, so right. do keep that in mind. But you're right; you're absolutely right. Even in today's dollars, it's a pretty scary thing. Has to be planned for. But that's again why you got to sit down and figure this out, and not just say, "I'll wing it." You know, I've heard people actually say, "Oh, you know, I'll just wing it." That's a really, really, really horrible way to approach things for your entire family. So what this is people now? who are retired, who are so-called winging it. What has happened to people like that? You know, there's 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 a lot of people that are just barely getting by. They're yeah. not our clients. They're not our clients. Yeah. Because our clients are the ones that are, and regardless, again, you don't have to be uber wealthy. I want to really emphasize that to deal with a financial planner. You really don't. You, you just have to care. You just have to be that person that says, hey, I, I'm maybe, maybe, you know, we have people that are, that are single or, or divorced that have no children. So it's just them. But even in those cases, they're like, okay, how do I, how do I prepare for the possibility of long-term care for living another 30, 40 years? If you're married, then okay, then you've got to look at your at your spouse's well-being with all of this too. How are you going to prepare for the two of you? If you have children, then the consideration isn't necessarily I want to leave something to them, but it could be I don't want to be a burden to them it, it, or some combination thereof. You know, we get we have people who come in who say, 
I want to leave something to the children. And then after we crunch the numbers, we're like, hmm, you better kind of look at taking care of yourselves first. Yeah, and they the get the message quickly. Yeah. Now, one thing people are saying, baby boomers particularly, is, well, the solution is I'm just going to work forever. So what's, yeah. what's wrong with saying I'm just going to work forever? Yeah, you know, nobody really does that. I, 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 I have, I, I do know, uh, I, I do know some people who kind of are in their mid seventies and are still going strong. They, they do love what they're doing. And I think that's this whole thing about, well, if I love what I'm doing, I gotta tell you something though, just my observation uh, from what I've seen at some point, you, you, you're going to slow down. At some point, you're just not going to be able to do it anymore. You're just not. Or you're not going to feel like it anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it, this thing about, and I'm going to be very blunt here, Jordan, and, and, and maybe, maybe people won't like what I'm about to say here. But, you know, i got to be honest with you. Nobody is a greeter at Walmart at 75 years old because they love what they're doing. Yeah. May, now, maybe they are friendly and enjoy seeing people. I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that, 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 that. There's probably some aspect of that, that it's good to be out there socially. You know, it, it, it keeps doing you active. Necessity is what you're saying. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and there can, there can be benefits from it. But, you know, if you are retired, I'll put it this way. I know plenty of retired people who are keeping their minds engaged, keeping involved with their community, and they're doing it through volunteer work or activism. We have some clients. I just I love this couple. They've become very, very active in refugee education and refugee advocacy. And they, they're lobbyists, they, they travel to D.C., they travel to the state capitol, they work hands-on with educating folks. I mean, they, they are choice. super good. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Saying, a lot of people think that their only choice, so to speak, is to, to work as, until they drop, basically. And, and well, it's yeah. unrealistic financially that they're going to be able to do that. It's, it's really not, because at some point, at some point, you're just not going to be able to. You're just not. Now, again, you have the exceptions of like, you know, I think the people that you see doing that more and, and for a longer period of time tend to be business owners. I think there's a lot. Of, yeah, I think you and I have both seen people like this. Probably you see the entrepreneur who's maybe in his 80s and kind of can't fully let go. Uh, you know, you, you see things like that. But that's a really different thing than saying, hey, I've got to go out and get a retail job to pay the bills. Yeah. Yeah, which is what's happening to a lot of people, indeed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so you're saying that the, the so-called sandwich generation problem is only going to get bigger. The older people are living, as you say, into their 90s and 100s without the money to do it. In many cases, moving back with the kids. Mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, the kids, the, the millennials of the baby boomers, are in many cases not getting jobs and moving back and living at home as well. Is this something that you're seeing a lot of this kind of sandwich generation problem? Oh, we are. Oh, yes. Yes, we are. Uh, the, the problem with elderly parents, that just becomes really, really consuming for people. Uh, we see this over and over again for people in their 50s and 60s. Parents that maybe we've seen this numerous times just recently, uh, parents who are taking a fall in the house. And then maybe the other parent was not really capable of caring for them. Uh, we've seen one situation very sad 
uh, where we have a client whose brother is in a different state. So there's nothing our state regulator can do because they're in a different state. Uh, who he feels that his sibling is actually uh, siphoning money, stealing stealing money, although with the mother's permission. That's a tough one because the mother has not been deemed uh, mentally unsound. She's it, mentally competent. Kind of elder abuse in a certain way, right? It, it, it is. It is. And she's kind of going along with it to be nice and very, very difficult. You know, I just went to a uh, I just went to a seminar a few weeks ago where our state regulator and I'm so glad they did this. They they hosted this seminar about all the warning signs. If you see something wrong with elder abuse uh, and financially, that this was really the topic here. The focus was financial elder abuse. Pretty rampant. And it's something that is on the on the radar of all the state regulators nationwide. And again, that makes sense, right? Because you've got this huge tide of boomers, the eldest of whom just turned 70 this year. So it's it's just becoming a much bigger problem nationwide. And, you know, as far as the, the kids that are that are moving home from what I can see from our clients, yeah, it's a, it, they're seeing it happening, but I think they're kind of that's less of an issue at this juncture than the burden of caring for elderly parents at this point. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Kate Stalter. She's the founder of Better Money Decisions, an asset management firm, RIA, based in New Mexico. You can find out more about her at her website, which is bettermoneydecisions.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need exactly when you need it so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Kate Stalter. Uh, she's the founder at Better Money Decisions based in Santa Fe, New Mexico. You can find out more at her website, bettermoneydecisions.com. Welcome back to the show, Kate. All right. Thanks, Jordan. One area you specialize in is Social Security uh, withdrawal strategies. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that people do right and do wrong and, and when and how they take money out of Social Security after they've built it up for so many years? 
the biggest thing people do wrong is just assuming that because they're 62, they should go ahead and take the benefit. Something like 80%, maybe even higher, uh, of Americans take the benefit as soon as it's available. And, you know, there, there's a lot of, we're, we're in a, uh, shall we say, I think it's fair to say, a somewhat contentious election season right now. And, oh, yeah, a little bit. I, I heard something about that. Uh, <laughs> you know, it re- even all the time, though, regardless, that people are under the, the, the boomers are under the impression that if they don't take the Social Security money now, that it will go away and they will miss out. And even today, I saw a scary headline saying Social Security is is going bankrupt. It was just today I saw this. So here's the deal. The Social Security Trust Fund, and they have actuaries, they have statisticians, they follow the demographics. Right now, all through 2034, all benefits can be paid out 100% at this juncture. Okay? After 2034, if Congress does nothing then it would drop to 75%. That's not bankrupt. But, you know, people need to not just grab the money because they think it's going away. Then another thing people say is, well, how about if I don't take the money early and then I die? Well, guess what? You're dead then. And it doesn't matter if you have Social Security or mm-hmm. not. You know, it's sort it's, of that's a- better in all circumstances if people can wait until 70 to get the full retirement benefit. Is that the goal that most people should try to do? That's a great question. And actually, not necessarily. It's like so many of these things we've talked about today, right? Um, it, you know, it really depends. If you, there may be strategies whereby it might make sense to claim Social Security earlier, even though you'll be getting a reduced amount rather than withdrawing from your investment portfolio. Now, in other cases, it might make sense to withdraw from your investments and put off Social Security till 70. Um, it also makes a difference whether or not you are married. Now, I, I know I, I know that you're well aware of this, Jordan, all the, all the changes that happened yes. uh, about a year or so ago that were implemented this year. So a lot of the claiming strategies that married couples had been using did go away. But nonetheless, nonetheless, if you are a married couple, you should look at whether one of you should wait until 70 to get the higher benefit because that does make a difference for the survivor. So there really are a lot of things to look at here. It's sort of like, you know, for one lever you you pull, it's going to affect something else. So it's like, which combination of levers do you pull in terms of Social Security, withdrawing from your investments, maybe if you have an annuity? I mean, it's just where do you put all the pieces together? And that's hard for the average person to figure out. That's where you come in. Yeah, exactly. What do you think is going to happen politically with Social Security? Are the benefits going to be cut or the taxes going to be raised? How, how is it going to be? Because it can't go bankrupt, as you say. So they've got to do something. What do you, And they haven't done anything basically since 1983 when you get down to it. Right. What, what do you think is going to happen? Well, you know, they already back in 1983, they raised the Social Security age for everybody born in 1960 or later. So that full Social Security age is now 67. Whereas uh, if you were born uh, before 1960, it's uh, it's six. Anybody from 54 
on to uh, 60. It's like 66 and some months back in that category. Between 43 and 54, it's 66. So that's probably what's going to happen over time is that they'll, you know, they'll probably start to incrementally raise the the Social Security age for people born after 1960. Maybe they'll cut benefits for future generations. But this is what I really want to emphasize for the boomers, Jordan, is that, you know, Congress, first of all, not the president. And I don't know. I, I don't know if that's comforting for people to hear or not, given, you know, the opinion of Congress, too. Uh, but it's Congress, not the president, who makes decisions about Social Security. And they could, they could potentially cut benefits for future generations, but who votes? What demographic votes? It's older Americans, right, who tend to vote in bigger numbers. It would not really be politically feasible for either party to run in there and say, we're going to cut benefits for the current baby boomers. I I mean, I don't think anybody can really envision that scenario. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you want to talk about emotions and how that plays into investing, that mm-hmm. people get emotionally swung one way or the other. So almost the way you approach the market emotionally is more important than what's happening in the market, market conditions or interest rates. Maybe describe a little bit about what role emotions play in getting people to make the right financial decisions. Yeah, you know, it really, it comes down to behavior and how and and just exactly what you just said is is the emotional impact you know we talked a little while ago about the financial media and just we we live in an era where fear about so many things is being stoked and that's really unfortunate because that can cause people to make very poor decisions let me let me give you a great example so Back at the end of 2012, and nobody remembers it anymore because it was so long ago, but it was just about exactly this time four years ago. And the big scare at the time was the fiscal cliff, was that Congress was not going to come to any deal. The U.S. markets, the economy were just on the precipice of tanking and everything was just going to be horrible. And this was that the news media had a fiscal cliff countdown clock. I mean, they they were in the scare business at that time. So what happened? People sold their investments and they went into cash. And a few years ago, we actually met somebody. We met several, a lot of people that did that, actually. And that was a fear driven, emotion based decision. Now, it was cloaked by logic. That's where people get into trouble is you kind of say, why, why would you sell out all your investments? Because you're scared. But you can cloak that by saying, oh, well, you know, so-and-so is recommending that we're going to have an X percent decline. And with the Federal Reserve, do, you know, no, that's just trying to that's just trying to justify your emotions with so-called logic by cherry picking what, what's out there. So what happened to 2013 then? So not only did Congress make a deal, okay, yeah. but if you recall, the U.S. market was up 32% in 2013. <laughs> it was a huge year. And all of these people were sitting in cash. Now, we don't recommend just holding the S&P 500. You know, we talked about that. But just as an example, say you only did own an S&P 500 index fund. Say that's all you had. You still, stocks did well that year. So 
we calculated for one guy that had done that, that he had a $115,000 opportunity cost because he had bailed out of the S&P. This is literally just what he did. Here. Just out of yeah. fear, yes. That's right. So in about the two minutes we have left, why don't kind of sum up the difference it'll make in people's lives if they work with you or somebody like you to get their financial act together compared to just doing it on their own and kind of going on their whims as they often do. Right, right. Well, it's kind of what we were just talking about, really, is that, you know, we're kind of in the business of behavioral coaching. The 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 old school stockbroker would call you up and say, hey, I, I got a tip for you. I think energy is going to be hot this quarter. Nobody, people don't need that anymore. There's no there's no market wizardry anymore. The science of investing is very well established, like we talked about. So what we are first main thing we do we're behavioral coaches, and then we solve these really difficult problems. I mean, what are some ways? What are some ways that you can mitigate taxes? You know, there's there's Roth conversions. There, there are actual actual steps you can take to, to actually save yourself on the tax bill while monitoring the distributions that you need to be taking. What about the estate planning? How are you going to leave something to your to your kids? Does it make sense to buy additional rental real estate property? Can you afford to take these this travel every year? We had a client who asked us she would she wanted to spend twenty thousand a year on travel. That was her dream. We had to tell her no. She couldn't spend that much. But you know what, Jordan? When people know this, when people understand what they're able to do, that's actually a really comforting thought, and yeah. you can go forward from that. Very good. Well, it's very complicated, and you can help them get through all these major decisions. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Kate Stalter. She's the founder at Better Money Decisions, based in New Mexico. You can find out more about her at her website, bettermoneydecisions.com. And we didn't even get to her. She has a new book called uh, Don't Let Your Money Kick the Bucket Before You Do as well. It's coming out quite soon. So thanks so much for being a guest on the Money Answer Show, Kate. All right. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.